Before I get into the message today, I want to mention a couple of things to you. Uh, first of all, uh, y'all met Jay, who was on the keyboards. Ernest shared with me that Jay's uncle passed away two days ago, and uh, Jay's been struggling with that, and we want to pray for Jay and his family as they deal with that. And Ernest also shared with me that his niece was in an ATV accident yesterday and is in the hospital, and we want to be thinking about them. And we also want to be praying for our Rwanda team that is leaving Wednesday. It is Wednesday, right? Wednesday uh, for Rwanda. How many of y'all are in here? Stand up if you're going to Rwanda. Stand up. Please stand up there. Okay, so we have several of you in here. Um, so at the end of our service, we would love to pray for you guys up front uh, before we leave. And I also want to mention to you that next week, next Sunday, we're going to be taking up a special love offering, and it's going to be divided between Togo and India. Uh, some of you may have been hearing and seeing about how COVID has been devastating India, and our, our brothers and sisters with Central India Christian Mission have been really suffering with this. Uh, I think about 22, the last report I heard, 22 of their team members and church members have passed away because of COVID, and many more have had COVID. So uh, the other thing is that the hospital that we support there has been running out of, you know, all of the resources that they need, even oxygen they're running out of. And so they're trying to build an oxygen plant to produce that oxygen to help their people. So we're going to be taking up a love offering for India. And Togo also has been going through some struggles. So we want to pray for, pray for both of those things. Uh, the elders have committed $5,000 to this effort. So whatever we raise individually in, in our offerings is going to be added to that $5,000. So... Please keep all of those things that I've just mentioned to you in prayer. Now, let's get to our message. And I want to start out by saying Happy Mother's Day to all of our moms. If you're a mom here, could you stand up? All of you mothers, stand up. Come on. I know some of you might be asleep. Yes, thank you. Thank you, moms. Thank you, moms. We appreciate you. Now, I have heard that becoming a mother carries with it sort of a shock and awe, okay? Especially, I think, the first time. Would, would you moms agree to this, that maybe when, when you had your first child, if you've had more than one or maybe just one, but when you had that child, it was sort of shock and awe. You brought that newborn home, and suddenly you looked in the mirror, you didn't even know who you were looking at, right? Your body was sore and it was aching. I mean, really, listen, you've been through this traumatic physical event in life. Uh, and I, I believe, I've heard, that uh, you can be sleep deprived at times. Anybody, any of you moms ever been sleep deprived? You, you can't seem to rest. You have this inner alarm clock that keeps waking you up every few hours. Maybe it's even more than just an inner alarm clock. Maybe there's some alarm going off. Sometimes this can lead to your, your body just being exhausted and uh, emotional stress and sometimes even depression. 
And, you know, I've heard that uh, there could be hormonal things going on, which added to that physical lack of sleep can make you feel pretty low. You can feel alone at times. Because as a mom, there are certain things that only you can do for your child, at least initially. And if the child, again, is your first child, you certainly feel like a rookie. How many of you remember feeling like that? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I don't know how to do this. You're calling everybody you know, your own moms or other people. People can give you advice, but it is the first time you've experienced this. And now you're trying to get to know this little human being who was in your body. <laughs> That's crazy enough, isn't it? Just thinking about. And while that can be exciting, you're also hoping and praying that you can bond with this child. And so there's some anxiousness. How will this all work out? So to all of you moms out there, uh, and all of you moms online watching, we salute you for choosing life. As difficult as it may be at times, you chose life. And we know that it wasn't easy giving birth. Giving birth is just the beginning of the challenges, though. Every stage of that child's life can bring with it different challenges. For those of you who have been through all of those stages, you can attest to that fact. Maybe now you're a grandmother and you look back and you, you're giving advice to your own daughter uh, or your own child. So thank you, moms, for all that you have done to bring us life and to support us through life. Those first few days probably did feel like shock and awe, but you made it through it. Now that phrase, shock and awe, you know, it's more of a military term. <laughs> uh, it, it's known as a, a rapid dominance. It's a tactic based on the use of overwhelming power and military force meant to paralyze the enemy and destroy his will to fight. I hope that didn't happen with, you know, moms. I initially heard that term back in the Iraq War when fighting began. It was an amazing display of uh, firepower and might and it did have the effect desired. But you know, when I, when I read through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, I get a sense of a shock and awe that his words would have had on those who listened. Because Jesus turned everything upside down. So this series is entitled Culture Shock. Because that's exactly what Jesus did to his culture. He shocked it. And he left people in awe of his teaching and his way of life. The problem with shocking one's culture is that people, more often than not, like the status quo. I mean, we can complain about life all we want, but when it comes to changing things... Most people don't like change. They prefer the way things are to the way things that could be because of the struggle they'd have to go to get there. Now, I'm sure all of us 
feel the same way about things in general. We don't like to upset the apple cart. But Jesus knew that upsetting the apple cart and creating some culture shock was the only way to help people realize the truth. The life they were living was a lie. God had something better in mind for them. And so, as we read through Matthew chapter 5 and chapter 7, we read the Sermon on the Mount. And this sermon would turn the Jewish listener on his head and leave him dazed. It was like shock and awe to the soul. What Jesus said was countercultural. It won him many friends and followers, but it also stirred up powerful enemies. But the message he wanted people to understand then and now is this. When we live for the higher purpose of Christ, we discover the true blessings of life. I want you to think about that now. When we live for the higher purpose of Christ, that's when we really experience the blessings God wants us to know. Now that is countercultural. It doesn't fit with what we are told or taught by our culture. You see, the world teaches that happiness is the result of achieving our goals in life. And there are a lot of goals that we can have, and goals are not bad. And, and the goals that I'm going to mention are not necessarily bad, okay? For one thing, family is certainly a goal. Having a, a family is a big deal. God instituted the family. He created it. And he wants us to have a family and enjoy that family. But if you think that simply having a family will bring you happiness, you might have another thought coming. In fact, it might bring the exact opposite at times. What are, what are you pouring into your family that will bring about the results that you want? A family that has God at the center of it, I believe will truly be blessed. That doesn't mean we don't have problems, right? Doesn't mean we don't have issues because we're all human. But when God is at the core of it, we can really achieve blessing. Education is another thing that the world basically tells us, you know, get a good education and then you're going to have a happy life happily ever after. But what we discover is often that the education we get doesn't necessarily lead to happiness. You know, many people get degrees and can't even find a job in their degree field. Anybody here that's been through that kind of thing? So the education is good. I'm not saying we shouldn't get the best education we can. But education does not necessarily lead to the blessing we think it will or to the happiness that we think it will lead to. In fact, many times the education leads us down a road where we deny our faith. And that's a dangerous place to go. Uh, the world tells us that getting a job will make us happy. It'll give us a, a, a feeling of fulfillment. And certainly work is something that, biblically speaking, is a good thing. God wants us to have a good work ethic. But again, 
often we discover that getting that job doesn't necessarily bring the happiness or the blessing that we thought it would. The job we thought would make us happy can also bring with it stress and pressures that maybe we didn't even expect. Sometimes it's the people we work with. Sometimes it's just the stress of the job. In fact, sometimes that job that we thought would make us happy ends up making us depressed and frustrated. And then there's this idea of entertainment. I think we live in an entertainment culture. It's all about entertainment. We turn to entertainment to free our minds from all the stresses of normal life. But some people want to live in the entertainment their whole life. While the entertainment that we seek can give us a moment of release, we have to come back down to earth. And sometimes it leads us down paths that in the end don't lead to blessing, but lead more to curses. And the sports industry. I mean, the, I would sort of classify this as entertainment too because it's all what we want. For many in our culture, sport is the release. And, uh, you know, we make it a goal for our children to experience this. I played sports and I loved sports. Sports can be a good outlet and a great learning tool. But when it becomes our everything, listen to me. When it becomes our everything, even our God, our idol, we discover that sport will let us down. Most kids who dream of making it pro are never going to get close. You know, only about 1% of kids that start out playing any sport ever make it to that professional level. A lot of dreams are dashed along the way. And there are many things the world says should be our pursuits in order to gain happiness or blessing. We may find some happiness in some of these pursuits. And again, I'm not, say, I'm not saying that any of those things are bad in and of themselves. But Jesus revealed some things that sound very counterintuitive. If you're thinking that all of these things are what's going to make you happy... Jesus sort of turns all that on its head and he teaches that happiness is actually the result of seeking after God. The blessings that you want in life come as you really seek God above all these other things. The Beatitudes reveal where true blessing comes from. Jesus said, blessed are you the poor or blessed are the poor in spirit those who recognize their spiritual poverty those who have reached rock bottom and realize they cannot survive without god blessed are you when you get to that point so faith is what you have to hold on to this is opposed to the self-sufficient attitude of the world oh i don't need god I can do this without. I, I am self-sufficient. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Those who are emotionally torn by the struggles of life. But more blessed are those who repent and mourn their sins. This doesn't mean that we as Christians aren't to have joy because we know that part of the, the spirit living in us is joy. Joy. 
but it means that we care about what happens, about what we've done. When you care, there will be times that you grieve, right? There will be times that you mourn. Now, the typical view of many in the world would be to go through life without a care and to avoid the pain of caring at all costs. But Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. And he said, blessed are the meek, those who are humble, putting others ahead of themselves. But most importantly, they are meek towards God. You see, the world teaches us to be arrogant and self-assured. A haughty and arrogant spirit says there is no God and that we don't need God. But the humble spirit submits to God's will. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Our desire to discover the righteousness of God will bring blessing in our life. Hunger and thirst indicates cravings. If I hear your stomach growling, that's telling me you're hungry. You know, Tim, hurry up. I got to go get some food. We crave water. We crave food. But Jesus turned this on its head. He said to be blessed. You need to crave righteousness. The world will tell us to satisfy our cravings for whatever makes us happy. So pleasure and lust, possessions, are often the target of a person's cravings and desires. And what we end up discovering is that these things don't bring about the satisfaction we thought. Only by discovering the righteousness of God can we fulfill that inner craving and blessing? Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. This means that if you want to be blessed, you should have compassion for other people. Don't always be looking down, well, never look down your nose at other people like you're better than they are. Not just emotionally feeling compassion, but actually doing something about it. This is an active and not a passive feeling. When I say we're going to take up a love offering for India and Togo, instead of saying, well, those people can take care of themselves, you should have compassion for the hurting people that are there. Many in the world will tell us to focus on ourselves and not care so much about the world around us. We may feel like people get what they deserve, so let them suffer. That's sort of an attitude that's out there. Certainly was the attitude of the Pharisees who felt that people suffered because they had sinned and so let them suffer. Jesus treated suffering people completely different. Even if their suffering was because of sin, Jesus showed them mercy. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. You may remember the Old Testament law had many regulations about being clean and pure. But Jesus pointed out that being clean in your heart or in your mind or in your soul was even more important than appearing to be clean on the outside. In fact, as you read many of Jesus' teachings, he points out the hypocrisy of trying to look good on the outside 
so that others will think you are clean when on the inside there is some real mess going on. In the world, the most important thing is what people think of you. Perception is reality. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because God knows the reality. You can try to look good all you want to on the outside, but if your heart isn't right, God knows it. And so God says you'll be blessed when you're genuine in your heart. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus said. Hey, the world is full of egos who want to win at all costs. Isn't this the problem that man has had from the beginning? We want to win. Those egos lead to battles and disagreements and wars and destruction. They don't care who they bring down as long as they win. But Jesus pointed out that the blessed ones would be the peacemakers who set aside those differences, set aside those petty arguments, set aside their ego so that they can bring people together in a peaceful solution. All of these things would have seemed to go against the common teachings of the religious leaders in Jesus' day. So they would have all been surprised when they heard Jesus say these things. But the eighth beatitude would have created some shock and awe. <laughs> So let's read that last beatitude, Matthew 5, 11, and 12. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That final comment. That final beatitude is different in that Jesus changes the phrasing. Did you notice in the first seven beatitudes, he uses the phrase, blessed are the, blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful. But in the final one, he says, blessed are you. So he moved from this generic to a very personal address. And so Jesus concluded this part of his message by making this shocking claim. And this brings us to our main focus of the day. Culture shock. That the persecuted are the blessed. Now that makes no sense at all, does it? Somebody is persecuted. It doesn't make any sense to someone who doesn't know Christ. From a strictly worldly point of view, this is nuts. What in the world could this mean? This is a shocking thought. Blessed are you when you're insulted. Blessed are you when you're persecuted. Blessed are you when somebody says evil things about you. Who in their right mind would feel blessed when someone is insulting them or persecuting them or speaking evil of them? Now, I've been honest with everything I've said so far today. I'm going to be honest now. I don't know about you, but when this happens to me, my initial feeling isn't, oh, I'm so blessed. <laughs> but there are two qualifying thoughts that Jesus added to this comment that are very important for us to notice. 
He said that the insults and the evil comments are false. In other words, they are lies. Somebody is making up a lie about you. Now again, honestly speaking, even if someone speaks a lie that is hurtful, that's not necessarily making me feel better. Are y'all with me? Uh, I, I'm not feeling better because somebody would lie about me. Uh, now maybe I do feel like, well, at least I know I didn't do what they said. That, that is a good thing. My feelings, though, are still going to be hurt if someone lies about me. I will probably get angry, and I will want to defend myself in all honesty. But that isn't all Jesus said. He said, when they do this, what? Because of me. Wow, that sets this whole scenario in a whole different direction. The personal attacks and the lies have more to do with my relationship with Jesus than they do about me. It's not just that they're saying mean things about me, but they're saying these things because of Jesus. Listen, I know that maybe in our culture we haven't experienced this as much yet. The day is coming, and it's ever more approaching. But I have friends in different parts of the world who have had very terrible experiences. They are put down. They are disowned. They are mocked. They are even physically attacked because of their faith. For no reason other than they love Jesus, they are persecuted. And that is what Jesus is talking about. There are people